Hello, welcome to another episode of Coffee and Crits. I am your host, Aaron Washington, and I am here with my co-host for today, Kelly. Hello. All right, man. Two episodes in the new setup. We're doing good. Big things, big things. So uh, we are not doing uh, storylines in the campaign stuff today. We're going to do something a little different. Uh, I think I mentioned it before, but there is a site we're using, uh, DM Resources. And people post a lot of topics. I've already got the permission from the admins to do this. So I literally just took three topics and I'm just going to read what they wrote in their question. Uh, I did not copy the comments because they range from really constructive to really toxic. So we're not even going to talk about the comments. I, comments do. I'm going to skip comments on any ones of these I do. But so here is uh, here is a comment. I'm not going to say the dude's name. Uh, but he's like, how often do you guys find yourself having to modify monsters, uh, realizing your players are finding things too easy? I feel like I'm doing it a lot, just so my players ain't breezing through stuff. However, I have one player who keeps getting annoyed, saying, oh, this should be dead, or they don't have that much HP. You don't have that many spell slots, and that sort of things. Okay, first of all, if you're the player, stop telling the DM what to do. Yes, I think that's our first bit of advice for that. If you are the player, stop telling your DM about stuff. If 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 you have an issue with it, one, bring it up afterwards to the DM directly. If that's something that bothers you that much that you need to bring it up, uh huh, and you can't just sit there and enjoy a game, uh huh, uh, bring it to the DM and say, hey, excuse me, uh, DM, um. I I I noticed that you're making the bandits a, a, a bit harder than than normal. What's up with that? And he'll go one of two things. He'll probably see if you don't like it, you know, then roll out. Then respectfully leave. Right. Um. Maybe not in such kind words, but we're right, 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 right. You know, we're we're keeping it classy out here. Um. Or he'll explain it and say, "Well, I've noticed that you guys are just so strong and powerful, and I want to make sure that you guys get <laughs> a challenge in this game." Oh my god, I feel like you're giving the perfect p politically correct answer for that. Well, because um, there's there's these people uh-huh. that are out there. There's a term for them. Uh, they're, uh-huh. they're they're normally known as rule sharks. Uh huh. And they also tend to double down on a second. Uh, billet within within the group, uh-huh. and that is known as the metagamer. Ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. Now these two people is is that the same kind of metagamer who looks up creatures that you're running while you're in the game? Yeah yeah. yeah. So, so oh okay okay okay. These, just just checking just checking. These people are are fantastic, and every group has them. Uh-huh, Hopefully uh-huh. you don't honestly, but every group has them, and, and mm-hmm, they do mm-hmm. they do two things. Um, well, your rule sharks know the rules back and forth, like the back of their hands. However. They tend to be wrong about a lot of the rules. They read a piece of it once in passing and then just stuck that in their mind. Right. The they're part like, that pertains to them, most likely. Yeah. In their favor. Yeah. They're yeah, like yeah. the same people that post things. They're, uh, they post opinions on, on social media with zero backing and then get mad when you present any sort of facts to them, period. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. <laughs> And then the other part is is the metagamer who likes to sit there and say, "Well, um, you, you you threw you threw this creature at us, but uh-huh. its health is actually this." And I rolled a sixteen, and its AC 
your armor class is 15 mm, and, mm, that's, and that's odd that's odd and you know and we mentioned this in a uh, another episode the medusa does not inherently have any spells however i think you mentioned that you can give it spells which crazy enough it's weird to think that the dm can modify creatures what are you crazy? It's almost like... You Are you cre- saying... I'm saying that you've created a narrative and created a oh, world. Really? And within that world, oh you, boy, you oh have boy, the oh ability boy. to um, basically play God yes. quite literally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you can just... So here's the thing, too. What if... What if... This is really throws off characters. This uh-huh, really, uh-huh. really pisses them off, especially yeah, 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 these yeah. two people. I feel if like you, I'm your hype man on a rap track right now, but let's keep going. <laughs> Yeah, tell them. <laughs> and another one. <laughs> but but let's say you made up your own creature. Have you ever seen the stats for Cthulhu? Because he's in the player's handbook. If you if we're talking about D anD D, if you look at the Five E Warlock Old One Pact, they specifically mention Cthulhu. But however, in all of the supplemental material, they don't ever talk about Cthulhu's stats. No, 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 no. They just they, they just go like an old one. Yeah, they call him old one, and then they give the example, and Cthulhu is in there. And then if you look at some of the other books, especially like Morden Cadence and Volos, that specifically speak and expand the monsters. Uh, this is excluding modules because those are very specific to the module. Uh, but if you look at those, Morden Cadence goes into the Blood War and goes into demons. And you can, you can look up. It goes into who Baphomet is, and then you can look up his level of hell in the Abyssal Plane. Mm-hmm. And he's got stats. However, a being like Cthulhu, who is probably in that power level, doesn't have a stat block. So if you were to put him and have a very Lovecraftian... Style game, yeah, 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 yeah. What, yeah. Do, you, what do you do with... Uh, Cthulhu. What do you do yeah, with his, I mean, his you, star children? What do you, you do with You gotta build them. You, you gotta build them. But but how am I supposed to look up the stats and, and tell you that you're playing the game wrong as the as, even though it's your world? Hmm. Well. So with that, let me let me answer this question a bit more. <laughs> let, me, let, me get, let me get to the bottom of it. So I've said okay. my spiel about the end piece. Players, respectfully, stop questioning the DM. If it is getting ridiculous, and I mean like ridiculous, right, right, please step up and say something because as DMs we tend to, we're we're human as well, and we will unknowingly sometimes throw things that are just ridiculously hard, or sometimes ridiculously easy, or sometimes just ridiculous. Period. Right. I mean, so, we've all done it. So please say something. There's nothing wrong with with you know keeping us in check. Right. The but, um. To answer the question about modifying creatures, yes. Modify your creatures all the time as you see fit. I modify my creatures constantly. I modify them in the middle of a fight. I've done it to where sometimes I make them too strong, and I've done it to where I'll, I'll cut their dice damage down. I'll roll. I've, on a level one character, I've done 60 damage with one attack. I think it was about 60 damage against a level one. Because I was just going off what the book said. Did I kill that character? Like, did I utterly decimate that level one character? Who, at best, 
at best, if you max out everything, and I mean everything, you're looking at, I want to say... Mm, probably get like 30. 19 health. Well, yeah, you probably, yeah, I mean... No, because, you're right. Like 20, 24, maybe. Uh, well, yeah. so for a level 1 character, a D12 for Barbarian. Oh, right, right. You're right. I'm max thinking, for that. I'm not level 1. Yeah. Um, plus 5 if you max your constitution. Plus 1 if you play the Dwarf that gives you plus 1 to your health. Okay. And plus 1 if you take the Toughness feed. Plus 2. Is it 2 for that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so 20. 20, yeah. yeah, yeah. So max health, 20 at level 1 if you really focused on health. You was really about that health life. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going to do 60 damage to this level one. I cut it down. I didn't think I did, like, five, which I get is ridiculous. Or, no, no, I didn't do five. I did more than I killed him, but I didn't, like, decimate him. He went down. They were able to recover him. It's a level okay, one. Okay, so, so you, not, pretty much you sent him to zero, essentially. Yeah, I'm not trying, to, I'm not trying to, to utterly annihilate a level one character day two into a game. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, here, here's, here's my thing. Um, I would essentially just tell a player, like, listen, uh, your knowledge of monsters is cool. Like if this person just knows the monster manual, cause he's just, you know, reading maybe. it because, you know, it's fun to look at. Or maybe he's another DM or maybe he's another DM. That's perfectly fine. But understand that what I do with my monsters is my thing. I sometimes take an, an uh, a creature and I give them better armor. Or I give them better weapons or, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's something that I just do when I feel like it's appropriate. But, you know, this, this, this goes, well, the topics I picked, this is going to talk, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit this subject a few times. I'm going to wait till the very end before we talk about fifth edition and players as a whole. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle that, that subject. But, uh, what I would say is like, man, if I don't understand, he he's complaining about things being too easy, but he's also complaining when monsters have more HP and have more spells. So I don't I don't get what his thing is if he just wants it all by the book. Because sometimes, depending on what creature it is, it can completely decimate, just like you said. So as DMs, we modify things all the time. Modify creatures, yes. Um, I give them templates all the time, and you know. I, we've talked about it before. I give, sometimes if a creature deserves it, I'll give creatures classes, like class stuff. I may not give them everything from the class, but I'll give them class features. So if this orc is a freaking rogue, he has rogue features. He's going to have sneak attack. He's going to be able to dash. He's going to be able to hide. You know, I'm going to give him a stealth bonus, you know, that kind of thing. Because now he's not just a orc, he's an orc rogue. So those are the kind of things we just do because we want the game good for you. Not because, you know, and uh, it, it kind of makes me feel like he's being accused of like cheating in a way, which that's not the case. That's not the kind of thing it is. And that's very like an adversarial uh, approach to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would almost say to, for, for people in, in this situation, what I find another monster that's relevant to your setting a higher level monster that's relevant to your setting and pit that against your group don't do a, don't don't kill your party off i mean if you have to adjust the numbers later on that's fine but let them one let them experience a tougher monster and if this i mean if you really want to teach this guy a lesson 
let him fight a tougher monster and don't adjust the stats. Yeah, and, and don't hold back. And let them experience what it's like to to go based off the rules specifically. Yeah. And and I'm going to constantly say this. Uh, as far as when it comes to encounters in 5th edition, uh, it's definitely more of a feel-out than a, a science because CRs in a lot of systems don't really work that well. And that's just not in 5e. I've heard complaints in almost every monster manual that you the system and the math doesn't really work how it should so okay i i have a i have a i, I want to say something real quick about that um for me i think it depends i mean it for, for me it depends on your group so if especially once you get like level five and you have like a, a caster with you right they have yeah. a fireball if you have primarily melee people that you're fighting and you've got a, a an all caster group one of two things is going to happen the casters are either going to roll well, or or they're not, or the opponent's not going to make their DCs, and the casters are going to wreck. Right. Because because melee fighters aren't designed. They have problems with magic. I mean, it's, they have low uh, like wi- wisdom saves. Yeah, like, wisdom, wisdom saves, down. charisma um, saves, intelligence saves. Yeah. But at the same time, if they get in close, then your your casters are going to be done. So you really have to when you ever you build an encounter out. And you know maybe we'll get into this later on for like deeper. I'm not sure, but whenever you yeah, we need to talk about encounters again anyway. So, um, you really need to balance it out with a whole group. So when you think of like, I call them cookie cutter groups, because I play a lot of World of Warcraft, and when you look at what you're required for a dungeon, right? Yeah, have to have tank, healer, DPS. Yeah, and if that's what you look for in your group, then your opponent needs to be that as well. Because if you just stack mages against a bunch of fighters and the fighters get in close, they win. Right. But if these mages get, let's say, a higher initiative role than your fighters, those fighters are going to have a hard time. Yeah. Especially if they're already rocking like fourth and fifth level spells because they get like wall of stone and then just bombard them with magic. Well, even at second level, you can do something like shatter, which just wrecks. It's yeah. like 3d8 at level, level three. Two. Well, I mean, it's a level two spell, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. At level three, you get level two. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But... Yeah, like... Hmm. Uh, I would also consider, like, your parties, like, makeup, because um, certain parties are balanced very differently right, than others, because, yeah. like... Uh, like, okay, for... Let's, uh, like, uh, for argument's sake, uh, the Monday game Nick was, Nick was running, uh, you have me as a Goliath samurai so i'm a fighter samurai so i have the d10 plus i took tough so that's that's a lot i'm i'm also with the goliath ability i have high con i'm very and you have damage negation i have very i'm very tanky i have a lot of hp that kind of thing but i'm not very you know when i get in close you know i have two attacks and i have an action surge if i wanted to so when i get in i'm in I think I'm wearing adamantite armor. So I'm I'm very I'm very like I think uh I took the Sentinel, the polearm master and the Sentinel. So when I hit people with the polearm, they can't pass me. Mm-hmm. So like that's what I do when I'm in the polearm, and then I have like a sword for the up close and getting in getting in the getting in the go. So that's the kind of character that is. Um Pat's character is a monk, very in and out. 
but can stand their ground if they need to. But, you know, I mean, hitting and then backing up. And then with us, we have a shadow sorcerer rogue. So they're hiding, sneak attacking, and then getting out unless most of their spells are kind of like to aid them in that. Like they didn't take too many really big offensive spells, but it's a that's the kind of makeup we are. And like certain fights, we will dominate. Like if we're fighting against melee people and I'm holding them at bay and then they're just picking them off, we'll, we'll pick them down to nothing. But if you throw a higher level spellcaster in the mix, that becomes a much harder fight for us because there's only one of us who can deal with a caster and that means they can't do their sneaking. They can't pop off because they have to constantly, they're burning, you know, they're, uh, they're burning their freaking counter spells on making sure. So that's their third level spell slots. You know what I'm saying? Like it all depends on how you, how you comp your parties. Like if you have clerics with you, if you're, if the person who's playing a healing cleric, heals you know it, it all determines like how the thing goes like if you're just playing with a really well balanced group and they got like they're just a system like they're a machine then you're gonna have to be more clever with your enemies like i have no problems like if i'm gonna be honest like like if me and nick are both playing at the table you're gonna have at least two people who are fighting pretty optimally you see what I'm saying? Like, that's just how it is. Like, right now, on Wednesdays, uh, our friend Chris, he is having a time dealing with uh, Nick's character. Nick is a barbarian uh, ravenger, the grappler, with spiked armor. So he oh, doesn't... Yeah, he, he doesn't do a lot of damage, but he grabs, and then he pins, and me, I'm a Hexblade Warlock... So you know what that does. That gives me advantage. And I'm just cutting a person down while he's just meleeing him up. Now, granted, we have two rogues in our party. One's like a rogue with a whip, which is actually pretty freaking rad. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's a swashbuckler rogue. And it's his first time playing. So he doesn't always move optimally, but it's fine. He's learning. And then we have another rogue and a cleric. The cleric barely has to heal. It just has to keep Nick up. Because Nick is essentially up front already doing all of these things. And then once he pins and grapples the strongest opponent, we all have advantage against him. He can then restrain them if he gets enough. And he's still doing like six sevens, like twice a turn. If you don't know as a DM how to deal with that, that gets hard. That's very difficult because there's only going to be a few creatures that can out muscle him when he's raging and he has a high strength. You see what I'm saying? Well, it also, in a situation like that too, you got to look at what your characters are. Yeah. So like if you're fighting a bit more like outlawish type group and you throw a wizard with them, because yet again, you can do that. Right, right. You can supplement the bandit for the acolyte and then just say bandit. Yeah. Like, you can just change it. Yeah, he's but, just like, a bandit caster. That's all. But like, I mean, if that, I mean, if that was me, I would just, I would just AOE you guys. I would just shatter a fireball because, because the guy that's being grappled, like, if, if I'm yet again, if I don't care because I'm a criminal, right? You know, screw it. Yeah, I think we're right, we're right now in a cult then, and that's fine because like there are people who have spells, and like, I mean, like I'm not. He's doing a really good job, like because we fought some fights and they've been really good, and we've gotten hurt a lot, and they've been some of them have been like, whew, we we scraped through, 
but he's had to definitely buff some of the creatures so that it would be because like i mean and not to mention sometimes we sometimes like i roll really good like we, we all know this i i, I roll tenderly roll better than i roll worse and like we we were like laying in i had that elric smite and i was just like oh here's 8d6 i mean like it was like, no, it was like 88 there you go 88 on this cut on this crit and it was just like yep so you know you gotta there there's definitely different party comps to deal with it and I, I would just say just be aware of your of your party i mean but that's that's playing with that's a new dm playing with veteran players but we also don't really abuse it you know what i'm saying like we it could be like none of we're not playing it completely optimal either you know what i'm saying but that that's like a wholly different scenario but anyway you're the dm do what you want man like do what you want <laughs> like if you want to mod stuff cool and if honestly and when it all said and done if they don't like what you're doing they don't have to play they, they, they really don't have to play yeah, if you, if you have a complicated player, um, the best thing to do is to try to have a conversation with them at first about it, and then uh, if it's still not getting anywhere, then maybe you should look into having a different member in your group. And I hate to say that because I, I've, I've lost friends over this. Like, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but like, but I mean, if you've got a friend that you're playing with and they just suck as a player... And you're like, like, how do you tell, how do you tell your friend, Hey man, I don't want you to play with us anymore because, <laughs> because you suck. What dude, man, that's, uh, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that that's, that's the case sometimes. And so, I mean, the group that I play with, we've lost people that, that we used to play with and we just kind of like fell off because of the situation. And it sounds, it might sound dumb to lose a friend over, over a game, but like, Depends on how serious about it. Yeah, yeah. If I you're mean, not hardcore like us, right? Uh, some some people also like uh, take a lot of things really to heart, even when you're, you know. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, if I tell you you suck as a player, like don't don't take it personally. You just stop playing with me, or get better, or listen listen when I give you su- suggestions. Like, hey, like don't don't you don't you don't you don't get to decide who who's good and who's like, not, Kelly. That's that's, that's not your like if I'm running a game, don't question my rules. That's it. I don't care if you role play. I really don't. For the most part, as long as somebody does. But like outside of that, just don't question me. Yeah. <laughs> In game, do right, it like afterwards right, right, if right. you have an issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've had like Nick literally kicked out a guy for that. So oh, I know. Yeah. And I was happy about it because I also wanted to kick him out. Well, he also cheated. So There's... I mean, that's that. Yeah. 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 <sighs> like he always hit like 30 times. I don't, I don't get it. Okay. He had the best ninja. All right. So here's another one. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Oh uh, God. About this already. Yeah. All right. So, uh, is, is this going to set me off too? Is it like, no, nah, this shouldn't, this shouldn't trigger you. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I didn't, what if I told you I didn't read the whole thing and I just read like the first thing. No, no, no. Lines. You read everything that's on there. And no, I am. But I mean like when I chose it, I didn't read all of it. Oh, okay. Okay. So, hi. Hello. <laughs> hi. Uh, so, why is PC alignment important and why not? Uh, context. I've never given my players an alignment, and in both campaigns I run, 
uh, house rule, I tell players their alignment are based on their in-game actions. This doesn't happen uh, often. Well, never, because nobody ever does something so evil that came to being good or evil needing an alignment shift. Alignment is usually neutral. Insert spectrum here. Like anyone in the world, NPCs, yes, I give these alignments and uh, it's part of finding out who's good or who's evil in the NPCs. Last week, I asked a player uh, to stand and had a PC, NPC, if that makes sense to you, basically a one-shot off for me uh, almost a whole year in the campaign. And the guy asked me, what's your alignment? First, I wouldn't tell him. Second, I didn't know. I'm a barbarian monk gorilla if that's helping the party find an artifact thing to bring one of their friends back from the death good what are your thoughts on this my players agree with me my dm has never asked about our alignment not questioned or changed it nor did we in our campaign is going for on for five years so alignment how do you feel about alignment kelly okay so I think alignment is important, but that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be written down. Right. I think that if alignment is important to your campaign, you need to make sure that the characters write it down. And you don't even have to say, like, hey, alignment's going to be important. Just kind of like, hey, make sure you write your alignment down when you're making yeah. your character. What is your alignment? Or just actions have consequences. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, if you need to see, like, on paper, like, chaotic, neutral, neutral, evil, what have you then by all means, make sure your players know to write down their alignment. Especially if you're dealing with like paladins and clerics. Especially clerics where they have a domain related to, to yeah. their alignments. Um, but for the most part, you'll as a player, you'll kind of fall into whatever alignment you're trying to be. Right, yeah. And you'll it just, just naturally happen. And you'll just play your character. If you start going a bit weird and off script then as the DM, you kind of just make decisions based on that, really. Yeah. So if if the barbarian monk is, you know, they're going to naturally, well, no, because they're, they're, so, okay, and here's, here's the problem with that. And this is why I think alignment is not always a good thing. Because barbarian monk, are two conflicting classes when it comes to the idea of alignment. The barbarian is a chaotic class, whereas the monk is a lawful class. Right, right. And it doesn't matter. Because like one is training and discipline, the other one yeah. is like emotion and rage. I and got you. It even says that in the description when you make your character. Right. Um, and in, in 3.5, it was a requirement. Yeah. So... But if you want to do that, because maybe they have different abilities. Maybe you want a barbarian, but you want the martial combat ability of the monk. Right. Um, like, you want to flip out, but you want to flip out with, like, some martial arts. Like, you go all, like, crazy Muay Thai and yeah. dropping your knee on him. I got you. Um, but does that mean that I need to sit there and, like, decide which class I am more? Like, no, it's kind of... You've kind of... Cause, so, the thing with cross-classing, too is the whole point of cross-classing is to make your own class. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. That's the idea, at least from my perspective. Behind uh-huh. it. I mean, that's a, that's a good take on it. Like, you cross-class to kind of build your own Yeah, because, because not every class is going to have everything you want. So you cross-class a little bit because you want features of this and that to make one thing. 
Um, or like there's a concept you want, but not one class really does it. Right. For you. Right. Um, like I like the idea of the, the Hexblade Warlock packed to the blade that multi-classes into a paladin. Because in my mind, thematically, because with the Pact of the Blade and the Hexblade, you can summon a sword to you. And I like the idea of summoning a Blade of Light. Like, as, like a holy weapon? Yeah, yeah. as a paladin. Oh, that... And then, Ooh, and then that what it does cool. is, for, your min, for you min-maxers out there, the Paladin <laughs> is a charisma-based caster, and a Hexblade is a charisma-based fighter. So you really put everything into charisma... Which is also the most and, OP skill. And if you're and if you do the in uh, the hexblade because the hexblade feature, you're gonna swing with charisma anyway. That's what I'm saying. As long as it's a one-handed weapon. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you do that. You mm. stack. Now you're walking around in plate armor with a summoned weapon that you right. never lose. And then you can like, if you chose like devotion, then you could sacred weapon your packed weapon. Oh, that's stupid. Yep. Oh, that's on, so on dumb. On top of that, you that's have That's so Bane. dumb. Yeah. No, no, ah, ah. Then you, then you actually do the hexblade curse. So you have hexblade curse, sacred weapon, bonded weapon, improved pack weapon, smite and elder smite. Ah, get out of here! Get out of here! That's disgusting. Don't yep. do that. Don't yep. do that. Don't but, do that at all. But be good people. <laughs> but with that, yet again, that goes back into alignment. If you go based on the rules of alignment, because a paladin, even in the even in the Xanathar's guide where it expands and you go into the tyranny, they're all they, they all can be played as a good character. Even tyranny. Yeah. Aesthetically, yeah. Whereas the warlock is inherently evil because you're making packs with other otherworldly beings. I think, I think besides like the divine warlock thing, but or, even, even I think even an example for the Hexblade is actually the Black Blade. I'm pretty sure that was well, the, the example. Well the Hexblade lore wise is the the, the raven the razor's edge or something it's the raven lord the it's a chick uh some uh, of the raven queen yes her raven yeah right 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 yeah. right yeah 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 just uh, yeah whatever um okay. anyway but back back to alignments um but yes so alignments can be important as as a player just play your character the way you would mm-hmm as a DM, if alignments are going to be important to your campaign, make sure you let the players know. Yeah, in the beginning. In the beginning, yeah. Not five years later. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, also, with that being said, you'll get, as a DM, you'll get a feel. I know it's a player asking, but as a DM, you'll get a feel for what the characters are doing. And mm-hmm. then if they start doing odd things, yet again, that's when consequences arise. Right. Like, I have, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm gonna try to Let do this. Out. I'm gonna try to do this uh, without making it a rant. Okay. Why? So, um, because rants. All right. It, it's it may divulge, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off straight. I'm gonna try to make it divulge again. <laughs> so, uh, when I am running a game, I'll start from my experience. When I'm running a game, uh, usually I allow characters to play whatever alignment they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have made games where you can where alignment is a mute point. Where even if you are evil, you you still will follow them because sometimes I've made the outcome so destructive that it doesn't matter, kind of deal. Like uh, my one of my earlier campaigns, their their final enemy was a very Cthulian type. Before I even knew the mythos, like a world eater, who like tentacle came in and swashed parts of the world and would devour it. 
then go to the next world type dimension and then eat that. And like it kept traveling and it was at their world. So you had demons and gods and all of them, like all working in conjunction together because this cult that was letting in this eater was going to kill everything, you know, and what's better, you know, you know, the enemy of my enemy kind of deal. So in that one, I had evil players and they, they, they could run in that game because their opposition was so otherworldly. You know what I mean? But at my Sunday game, like I had someone who was like, Hey man. Uh, so I want to make a, uh, what was it? It was a warlock too. He's like, I want to make a chaotic evil warlock in your game. And, uh, I was like, okay. So I knew that there were a lot of like evil powers that would eventually make plays on the characters. So I was like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. But I also knew based on what happened in story that there would be times where being evil would be dis will be the opposite of advantageous. What's the dis- disadvantageous disadvantageous. It wasn't advantageous for them. So I just was honest. I was like, yeah, you can play an evil character. Um, as long as your character isn't like destructive in as far as story goes, I don't care if you're evil. We'll just work on your intentions. We'll, we'll work on why you're with them. Maybe you do have alternate motives. And I have had people make characters who were at first against the party, but through story made their own decisions. And I've had some times where it didn't work that way. They ended up having to kill the player, but the player knew this ahead of time. It wasn't anything like, you know, this is eventually going to happen. And I even had a, a a player who made an evil character and he like abandoned the, like he betrayed the party in a really important moment. He made a pact on the side and I gave him pretty much like a boogie button. I gave him like a, a little, like, like a, uh, like a, like a disc that was like a teleport. And instead of having to do the components, all he had to do was just crack the disc. You know what I'm saying? Like it was already prepared. So he betrayed everyone, took the thing and just cracked the disc, came in with his new character and his old character is now a villain. You know, the, stuff like that can be really fun mm-hmm. kind of deal. That's not what I'm talking about now. <laughs> That's cool. What I don't like is when we are in a party and we're supposed to be good characters. We are fighting like an ultimate evil, that kind of setting. We're fighting a creature who literally usurped hells from Asmodeus. So this creature is so evil, it has taken over hell. They are now the head honcho and they're like a super demon lich chick. Like her philosophy is like she has a tome that each individual page makes you go insane with darkness. And we are trying to gather the book because we need it put together to kill her. In that scenario, a good character does not wield a bow that sends souls to hell. A good character doesn't do that. I feel like I've made my point with that. That's not something a good character does. What what if what if they're no. shooting bad people? No, because you're just sending people to the person who's going to use them to make more demon people. Like you're just giving her ammo every time you kill someone with your evil bow and then when it's brought to you don't say like, "Oh, I didn't know." Cuz you did. You just wanted a cool item. Ugh. Okay. 
I've made this statement before, but good characters don't torture. What if it's for the good of the Good people? characters don't torture. What about the Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> good characters don't torture, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I had to, like, okay, now this is actually pretty interesting, so... Uh, I'm not saying all the characters involved in this were good because one was like chaotic neutral and I swear the other one was like neutral evil and then another character who says they're neutral good. Uh, the the, char- the I didn't make the character originally to be lawful good. I actually made them to be lawful neutral. They have a set of code and rules that they live by dictated by the God they actually served. It was more like I do vengeance on those who'd wrong me and that kind of thing. So he had a code of ethics. But everything was so crazy that I kept it just my character just kind of turned into this lawful good character just to balance things out. I ended eventually like leaving my god and becoming and like joining a whole different sect and all the stuff. Like I we did the temple and all that stuff. So my character essentially is like lawful good now. But like so my character my character already was like not down with torture because like of what was rolled on his random backstory. He just wasn't cool with it. So now, like, the last time they did it, my character was like, just drew the line in the sand. And they were like, no, we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, on your souls, I'm out. And he just, like, walked away. And they're like, you're not going to go in? The demon like, you're not going to go in and stop them? I'm like, nah, man, if they want to be damned, go for it. It's on them. And I say that to say that if, when, I feel like in that kind of scenario, Lyman is important. Like, you can't fight the ultimate evil as an evil character, not when every time we succumb to evil, we're losing. You know what I'm saying? Like, the setting itself was almost like succumbing to evil is literally allowing her to win. And it's been stated by, like, their cult members. Like, one of the cult members was literally saying as they were torturing you, yes, keep going, you will become like us. You know, I think that's a big hint that evil is bad. You know what I'm saying? So... Alignment can be important in certain games and in certain games they matter in certain games they don't uh i have played tons of characters tons of different alignments um as far as the evil spectrum i really prefer lawful evil because i like evil with a code like not just like chaotic joker evil you know what i mean man real, real, real talk evil with a purpose that's because chaotic evil is not a playable alignment (laughs) <laughs> I, it's barely playable like, if even it I, is. I, I'm not trying to be rude or mean to those that like to play chaotic evil but if you're playing chaotic evil and you're working with a party you're not playing chaotic evil yeah like unless you just constantly try to, them yeah try to kill them or just do weird stuff that just is you know damning to the group and the mission and everything but honestly, if that's the case, you're probably going to die soon because yeah, the party's it, just going to leave you because they don't like you. Because, like, chaotic evil is just, on that tip, like, it, it's just so counterproductive to most uh, heroic campaigns. Like, I understand the allure of being able to be on a bad alignment and do things that aren't socially acceptable because it's a role-playing game. I get that. It's the reason why people, you know, get hookers and shoot them in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's you know... I want my money back. <laughs> Right, because, you know, like the $100 that they took from you while you have, like, millions matters. Uh, Come on now. In the end game, in the beginning, when I'm poor and my streaking is just starting out, and I'm still doing game wars with the ballers on Grove Street, <laughs> that $100 means something because i got to buy ammo from ammunition. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I believe you. I don't, but yep. Yep, sure. How is Big Smoke supposed to get two number 49s if I don't have money for him? Big Smoke. Oh, my goodness. That's why he betrayed me because I couldn't afford his food habits because I was busy buying hookers and not killing him getting my money back. Oh, boy. Listen to Coffee and Crits when we can talk about killing hookers and games. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Uh, we're we're going to shut the show down now at this point. No, no, no. We have one uh, We have one more. One more, guys. Okay. So, uh, this person wrote, I find DMing easier when you don't play with the optional rules. What other bands, limitations, and homebrew on rules do you also find helpful? Like the look on it. Oh, God dang it. The look on your face right now is killing me. All right. <laughs> like, like you just kind of gave a look like you wanted to slap my phone for having the conversation. So. Don't you know limits make more for more interesting games? It can be. So, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I don't think, I don't think it's a dumb statement. I, I will start off with that. Cause I feel like the, the look on my, the, the expression I had was kind of an implication of like, I hate that question. I really don't. Um, uh-huh. I think that limitations and bands and stuff like that have a place. I don't think it makes the game any easier. I don't think it matters whatsoever. I think the only way, because I, I think you read some of the comments and some of them were along the lines of like, you know, playing without the feats or, you know, some of the variant rules make it easier to handle your characters. They don't get as powerful. But the thing is, is that really only one race gets a feat at low level, and that's the human. And if you do that, you go from adding plus one to all your stats to plus one to two stats, and you get an extra proficiency and a feat. Which and some of the feats don't even add to your attributes; they just give you an ability, like crossbow expert, or two weapon fighting, right, right, or defensive duelist. They're they're not adding to any stats; they're just to more play your character. Um, and like some of the feats are definitely not even as they're just really cool. Like I really like the actor feat, the yeah. fact, yeah, because like I can listen to someone's voice for X amount of time, and now I can mimic it. That's such a great ability. If you're like for like kind of niche character who uses disguises or yeah. if you're like a changeling and you want to be able to mimic the voice too, which is what I'm doing right now. Cause I thought, I thought I was like, man, that's a great combination. Not only do I do this, but I also do this. It was really great. But I, I really think that if not to be mean, but if you, if you feel like the game is easier for you because you put a limitation then, respectfully, I recommend reading the book a bit more thoroughly. Uh huh. And getting a better, <laughs> well, and getting a better understanding of what everything is, because it sounds like, and yet again, not to hate on the person who wrote it, but it sounds like they don't have a an in depth understanding of everything. And if I'm just trying to do a quick game real quick, and I'm new to DMing, yeah, it's a hundred percent easier without having to worry about well, why why. Are you able to bump your AC by like five points when I hit you? 
well, because I'm using a finesse weapon. Well, yeah. what, what what part of your class says that? Well, it doesn't. This feet over here says that. Well, now I got to look up the feet. Um, but at the same time, it could also make it easier because, like I said, crossbow expert. I don't have to worry about loading. I can just keep shooting, and that's easy. So I don't have to sit there and worry about like, hey, what do you do on your train? Like, well, load my crossbow up. Yeah. Oh, so okay, cool. So I wasn't gonna do this, but I actually actually asked him a question, and I was like. Uh, so, do you just like feats in multi-classing for in 5e? Are they too powerful? Do your PCs tend to mid-max? Because even without feats, that's still a plus two to stats, and that's still a great buff overall. Um, he responded. Uh, he was actually really cool, too. Like, he's not like a dick about it. Okay. But he's like, uh, balancing issues, plus it doesn't really have anything to do with the role-playing aspect. I've never had a player multi-class and have it be a part of their role-play. It's just an aspect of maxing their characters. Um, some people love it and they're all for it. That's fine. I'm just not a fan of it. And that was his reply to me. Okay. So, and so that, that I think, and that's, that's fair. I think, but I think banning stuff entirely, I think is more for a narrative. So I've played a game where nobody made a paladin. And which didn't, they didn't, it's not like they chose to not make, well, I mean, they chose not to make a paladin. I didn't tell them they yeah. chose to make a paladin. They just happened to not do it. And I was like, you know what? I like the idea of there being no paladins in my game. And right. none of them are clerics either. And I was, yeah. like, I was like, you know what? There are no clerics either. And they're like, why not? And they had to figure that out. And what happened was for the game, and I didn't even think about this when I did it, but the, the gods were dead. Oh, that's cool. So and there was no one to get divine power. Yeah. So when from. when nobody made a cleric or paladin, I was like, actually, that's a really good opportunity for me to do this. So in the end, I ended up banning clerics and paladins in the beginning, and they kind of had to unlock it later on by figuring out what happened. But I mean, but that that's different though, because like they literally made whatever, and it just kind of worked out in your yeah. favor in the end there. So. But I mean, but even though that that's a ban, or or for me. Um, I don't do bans usually, but I definitely prefer if we're doing player's handbook to not have tieflings or half orcs. And I know, you know, the tiefling is like the number one internet race sensation. Is it? I don't know. All I see is, is rule 34 about tieflings constantly. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, there's great tief, there's tiefling art everywhere, but yeah, I believe. Yeah. But, um, but really, but if you if you read about their lore, they're not socially accepted. So so if you want to have a more like grittier, like mm-hmm. you know, realistic, I guess, feeling world, then you could ban half orcs and tieflings because per the lore that's written in their character description, nobody likes them. Yeah. And like and even with that if I did do something like that and if someone really wanted to play one and they wrote in their backstory like how they came about, they're right. a result of like, you know, an infernal pact that was made and then some wizard gave your mom to, you know, an infernal thing and you were born and cast out, then that just makes for interesting role play. And then, right. then I'm then I'm down for it. Um so when he said that, I had to think about I've had people come to my table with 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 characters and they're like, I'm this many levels of this and this many levels of this. And their backstory had nothing to do with what they were. They just chose the things because they wanted to do something that was just a, that was just kind of silly. I want to be able to do this in this. So I put these two classes together. 
but your backstory doesn't reflect any of that. Yeah. Like, why do you why do you have these abilities if your character doesn't reflect who you are? Like if and, I play paladin. Yeah. Well, no. Here's the thing. But like. If you wrote in how you came across, because like the blade is the entity, and if you found a blade of, of light and made a pact with it, and then later on devoted yourself to a god or something like that, I feel like that'd be really cool. I didn't be more, I'd be more cool with if you were like an ASMR or something. So you were like your god's like hand of judgment, and you picked the protector, so you're drawing the wings with the sword of light. I want to make that now. Okay, so, mm, right. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, that. That sounds tasty. So I, I want to give a quick. Ooh, I really like that. Oh, God dang it! I want to give a. Quick I hate the fact I like that so much. Of a of, of a cross class. I mean, this is me toot my own horn, but that I that I think is appropriate and and lore friendly and makes sense. So, in one of the games that we're about to start playing again, um, I'm it, it's it's a samurai jack style right right game so we're fantasy characters who uh a wizard we were fighting the wizard he was trying to do something uh he realized he would need more time to do it realized we were a problem and then he cast us into a future so the character that i'm playing is is basically what they are is they're gonna they're a kensai monk and a horizon walker or a ranger but what that allows me to do is it has that like samurai ronin narrative because i get to use a katana which is effectively a plus one longsword um and i get to use that because i'm a kensai with with using all my martial skills as well and then on top of that i get to have the bonuses of being a horizon walker ranger which a lot of their stuff is about right, trying to right. find interdimensional portals. Yeah, and, and not to mention, just to say that it fits with the world too. Because I'm playing, I'm playing a like clan, a, like I'm playing like a Goliath samurai whose clan is very much like, like almost almost like Han type clan type mm-hmm. deal. So I'm all about like honor and clan kind of thing, honor first type deal. The other one's playing an Air Genasi monk, you know, getting us like Shaolin temple type vibe. And then the other, and then our other player is a shadow sorcerer rogue, essentially making them a ninja. I'm just saying, right? Like, yeah. And so, like, even though I've cross-classed into like two pretty different classes collectively, and I also, I also went uh, dragon mark human uh, mark of the pass- passage, which just allows me to do a lot of like really a lot of movement. So I get as the monk, I. I so as the passage, you get plus five in your movement speed. Then on top of that, I get plus ten for being a monk. Mm-hmm. So I have a forty-five movement speed. Plus I can cast Misty Step as a bonus action. We're level ten, so I get two attacks. Yeah, turn, yeah, yeah. Or no, level ten we get three yeah, attacks. Yeah, because um, I mean, but like it, it's all to a it's all to a theme though. So it's yeah, okay. I'm a very I'm a highly mobile ninja or a samurai basically. Ronin. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's I mean that's the point. But I'm I'm looking for portals to get out of there. Right, is literally looking like the, for a. We're trying to find a way to stop him, and we may need to go back. So it yeah. fits. So, yeah, there's no, there's no real, uh, no real like harm uh, to that. Um, so have I? So there are. So in my current game, I did make. Uh, it wasn't really a limitation or restriction, but um, when everyone was making their characters and classes, I was like, "Hey, is anyone a dragonborn?" And everyone's like, why? And I'm like, is anyone a dragonborn? Well, I maybe. Is there a reason why? 
I'm not going to tell you unless you're actually a dragonborn. And it was because in my world, dragonborn were magically created from dragons made dragonborn as a gift to the first king of this empire as their personal guard. And all dragonborn have a thing called long memory. So I pretty much stole the Deva ability from fourth edition where Davis could remember their past lives. And when they're doing a skill, they get to roll a D six X amount of times as a representation of remembering how they do it. Dragonborns do that in my world. So like when the new King was put on the throne, on the old throne, every dragonborn felt it like, Oh, the King has returned type deal. And so like all these rare dragonborn from, which are like a rare species, which were like, I think I had them roll, and I think the most a person saw in their life thus far, which was a 100-year-old elf, she saw two. So it made it, like, really cool when they were marching out of a city and saw a caravan of, like, a 100. Like, what is this? I didn't even know that many were alive. That kind of deal. So, like, stuff like that is it's different. It's, it's for story. Um, but, like... If you find that giving your players more options are limiting, I would suggest taking a really deep delve into the the monster manuals and things like that because there are options to keep things balanced. Like back before, like I hear all the time that 5th edition is just kind of like power to the players. They're super ridiculous. 5e characters are too strong. Multiclassing is too strong. Their feats are too good. They're, it's so unbalanced. Magic items make characters way overpowered. But here's the thing. A level 10 character is a level 10 character. And they're going to be ridiculous in whatever game they play. It's just what it is. Like, I'll argue this all day. I am so much stronger as a level 10 Pathfinder wizard than I ever am as a 5e wizard. Because my Pathfinder spell-slinging wizard, my wizard with a gun, is so ridiculous. I have a spell that turns me into a dragon. That's it. I'm just a dragon. Dude, all I'm saying is wait full till HP. You, wait till you see the artifice that I made for your game. Like it, but like still though, like you won't be so strong that I'm not gonna have. I'm gonna have a super problem with you. Like no one is, because let me tell you something. Look, you give me that look, but I'm telling you right now, like you guys are in the freaking Shadowfell, and there's some stuff. Okay, trust me. Trust me. I'm, I'm, but anyway, like for anyone who's having problems with their PCs too strong, I would just suggest to go through back to the monster manual. There's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of resources you can use, uh, different templates you can put on characters, use stronger monsters and then dumb them down. There's different ways to handle PC power and it's, don't be afraid to give them things. Understand that some things can be ridiculous and sometimes you give something a little too strong but it's, there's always ways to balance it out. Like, I'm giving people weapons of legacy. They've got them at level 5, and they're leveling with them. Magic items that level with them. You can't get more ridiculous than that. You know what I'm saying? But I still put players in the dirt. You know what I'm saying? Because I gave you this awesome weapon of legacy, but I expect you guys to do your thing. So, you know, it's all about balance. I will say this. It's a test, though. With... All comes with experience, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far uh, just just one band that I do on a regular basis, honestly. Um, I, I, I tend to DM for new players. I don't know why, but I always end up DMing for new players. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I always do is I limit them to the player's handbook only. Uh-huh. But that's more for the new player because the last thing I want to do is have somebody, you know, like I said, 
I just made a character across four books because I have the Monk and Ranger, which comes from the core book, the Horizon Walker and Kensai, which come from the Xanathar's Guide, the Mark of the Dra- uh, the Mark of the Passage, the Dragon Mark of the Passage, which comes from the Eberron, and then I get magical items, which means I have to read the Dungeon Master's Guide. So, that's four books for one character. Yeah. I don't want a new person doing that. So I always limit them yeah, to the it, player's it, handbook. And it's also to just help them keep track. Yeah, yeah, and well that's just why. I don't want them one, because if they if they're buying a book, it gets expensive. And two, I would I don't want them to sit there and be like, Oh, well I've got this class and then I hit level three and I really wanted to be that, so I went and did this, and then I have all these extra spells that are from that book specifically. And then, you know, like I said, if you add a a, a mark you know, you gotta go in that book, and then you, you know, yeah, it, it gets ex, it gets extensive. And if you're new to the game, like please keep your keep it simple for yeah. yourself. Play a fighter. Um, yeah, I but, mean, like, like, but, like keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely understand researching a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that 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 makes sense. That makes sense. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, like I said, we just took I just took three posts, and uh, we just talked about them, and I thought it was fun. Yeah, and please, I mean, if. Uh, you know, correct me if, if I'm overstepping my bounds, but honestly, like comment on this stuff, like let us know what you think about what we said. If you don't like it, say it because you might have a good opinion that. Yeah. I would, I would, I I would love to someone just be like, you know, you guys suck and here's why. And then we can talk about it. Yeah. And then then I can bash you you over a mic because you ain't got a mic. You just got text. I'm playing. I would never do that. Please, please comment. Don't, don't, don't be, please. All right. So, <laughs> okay, so that's our uh, that's our kind of like Q and A type deal. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, so, all right, so we're gonna pick a monster, and oh, well, this is pretty easy. All right, we have a mind flare. A mind flare. A mind flare. All right. Okay. Okay. okay you look really excited, Kelly. Yeah. So, so I, mind I... flare. Give me what, what? What would you do with a mind flare? I would do a lot of things. Yes, there's um, so much you can do. So one of the one of the, so if you look into the lore of them, um, they're they're awesome. Yes, they they used to run the world until the Gith Yankee and the Gith Sarai rose up and got tired of being oppressed and just slaughtered them. And then they went into the Abyssal Plain, and so did the so did the, the Gith as well. Um, but one of the things I like doing because, I mean, it says CR seven, which I think is garbage. Yeah, I mean that's like the base mind flare though. Because yeah. now use, you can look in Volos and stuff, and they have oh, Alhoons yeah. and different ones. Oh, I and, use Volos. Don't yeah. worry about that. But um, no, no, I love to make them secret organizations in the background. I love throwing them in politics uh, um, with I intellect love, devourers that are kind of controlling people like puppets. Yep, I love to do. I actually took over a player with a devourer. Um, I love to one one of the games I was running. I had them. There was a. There was a great, powerful mind flayer that was felled, and like, but one of his hands was used in a, in a ritual to keep them at bay. And now the mind flayers are slowly seeping back into our reality, and they had to go find his old hand um, and a couple other items to put, cast a spell to bring the barrier back with, with in between the worlds. Um, I love, I love interdimensional storylines, and mind flayers are all about interdimensional storylines. Yeah. They're definitely they definitely have that like other place kind of thing for them. I ah uh, so okay. I know we're being quick with it, but like so uh, mind flares, um, plots. Every time if there's a mind flare involved, there is a plot. 
They have purpose. They have reasons. They have a plan. And I love using mind flares as like puppet masters in the back, moving their things. There's these t- people disappearing. There are people covering it up. There are officials who won't pursue. People are going missing, but no one's doing anything about it because these mind flayers need bodies and they're pulling them down below if you do like the Underdark where they have a city and that's, you know what I mean? And their city has like demons and things that come through like a hub and there's portals because everyone deals with them. And of course, there's like a crazy elder brain doing its stuff and mind flayers just... Mind flares can be whole campaigns or they can be great arcs to them, depending on how you want to do it. They can be all the way, they can plague your players from the very beginning all the way to the end game, depending how you do them. And they're just super fun, super love them. Uh, so that is our that is our take on mind flares as we finish off this game. Uh, episode, uh, I said game. Okay, whatever. So, this time our coffee had the Reese's Pieces cream. It was chocolatey. It was, peanut buttery. It smelled like Reese's peanut butter, which I think I appreciated the most out of everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um because it just like drinking it smelled like I was eating a Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh what do you, what do you, what do you give it? I want to give it a 14. Mm-hmm. Um it was really good, but uh, I'm very uh, when it comes to the taste of coffee, I'm very weak. I I'll eat ghost pepper salsa all day, but you give me coffee that's like straight, and I I'm like yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I'm actually going to. I wish I had this with like a stronger brew. Access is funny because I'm like the opposite. Like I need really strong coffee to kind of balance out the creamer otherwise i think the creamer is just too strong like the reese's peanut butter like the smell was awesome but just it was too sweet and too strong so i think like it'd be better if i just did it with a stronger brew like if i just put like if i use like that dark magic or something yeah like a nice dark roast and something like that just to kind of give it that that flavor so i'm only going to give this a 13 so uh, that is the episode. Uh, please uh, comment if you liked what we did. Um, we're going to do this more often. I'm going to definitely just pull posts uh, from the resource site. Uh, once again, shout out to the uh, admins who allowed me to do it. Um, I'm going to post a link to the Facebook page that I pulled these comments off from. And you can kind of request to join. It's just pretty cool. Ton- like... But know that you will constantly get messages on your feed from this place. Yes. It is constantly dropping things. Yes. It does not stop. People const- So if you comment once, you're going to get like 20,000 notifications. Just Also, even if you didn't like us, uh, please comment and tell your friends anyway. And you guys can secretly hate on us. Yes. Um, like, oh my God, these... These, 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 you Look know at these nerds and their these nerd terrible talk. people, and they're just talking. God, I wish this guy would just shut up. Yep, and then tell all your friends about that and share the episode. Yes, so you all can hate us together as friends, because regardless, is we promote friendship. Yep. So uh, just continue to listen, guys. Uh, once again, uh, we are working on starting to do uh, two episodes a month. So just kind of keep us tuned in. 
uh, you know, uh, follow us on social media stuff. Cause I'm actually getting a person to do that for me. Cause I hate it. <laughs> and remember guys, the quest never ends. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like us, please follow us on Facebook at the DM world at nine zero two nine, or you can follow us on Twitter at DM world nine zero two nine. Thanks for your support guys. Keep listening. And remember once again, the quest never ends.